Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Adrian Goldberg's talk show on the dance floor of the Sunflower Lounge in Birmingham. And with me I've got David Keenan, who about 20 minutes ago was performing on the stage just in front of me, in front of a packed house, went down fantastically well. Uh, the great thing about the show for me, David, was the fact that you had a set list and I was standing right down the front and I could see the set list and you didn't play the set list. Well, the set list is just a, a reference point, really. And then you have to follow your intuition. That's the exciting thing about playing live, you know. You never play the same song. You never play the song the same way twice. Or at least I don't. Because you trust the moment, you trust reality, you trust where you're at. You have to feel the room. And you kind of have an inkling of where the, the set is going. So, yeah, the set is just a reference point. And uh, sometimes I look at the set and see these songs kind of looking up at me and I'm kinda, I smile to myself and I go, no, I'm not listening to you. I'm going off on a tangent, you know. There's so many artists don't, though. And you spoke to this, didn't you? You invited the audience to shout out a couple of numbers towards the end and you said, I'm going to play two. You yeah. ended up playing three yeah. instead. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just because, you know, this is my first, I suppose, proper UK tour. And... I'm playing songs off A Beginner's Guide to Bravery, I'm playing new songs, I'm playing songs off EPs that have come before, but this is, this is very fascinating for me because I'm interested to see is, you know, why are people here and what brought them here. So a little experiment at the end, kind of shouting out some songs. You know, last night in Sheffield I, I did it and somebody shouted out a song that I've never played live. Uh, well, I've played, I haven't played live for two years, so there's no way that person would have seen me doing it, and it's, there's no video online, so obviously they must have heard it on Spotify. So obviously that gives me now a bit of an insight. So again, tonight, I, I, I didn't want... You, you know, you don't want to walk out and people going, I wish he had a sang that song. And if the general consensus is a, a certain song, uh, then I will play it. But obviously, as I said, it's a selfish endeavour. <laughs> it has to be interesting for me, and play songs off the record and play new songs but uh, I thought tonight had a bit of everything really for me anyway up on stage I felt that so I was, I was yeah I'm, I'm very full after the gig It was interesting there was a, a song that was called for called El Paso which is a song that you explained you don't perform unless you're playing in your own hometown just tell me a bit more about that Well for the simple reason that I wrote the song when I was 15 and you're 26 now Yeah so you know that's 11 years and by no means am I ashamed of it. I think for a 15-year-old, it's, it's a pretty decent song, you know, especially if people 11 years later are still calling out for it. But again, I have to be able to penetrate the song to, to get the most honest delivery out of it. And people listening who think that I might... Uh, who may be a bit cynical think, I'll oh, look at him up on his mountaintop with his fucking cloak. Uh, but that's just the way it is for me. And so I'm not going to stand up there and kind of go through the motions because how can I expect anybody to believe it if I don't believe it myself? So that was a simple fact, and that's the way it is. I mean, I said it, and, and I mean, it's again, it's not on the album. It's, it's uh, as I said, I wrote it when I was 15. It, it, I'm really proud that people still call for it, you know, 11 years later. But, uh, no, I, th I, think, I think there was other songs that I, that I could have I played tonight that, that kind of... You know, showcased a bit of, a bit of craft and 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 were probably superior songs, but that's just my own opinion. But I, again, I didn't think the gig was lacking because I didn't play that song. <laughs> no, no, I just thought it was interesting that you you know you can only feel it when you're at home. And you come from Dundalk, yeah, in Ireland, yes. which again is a kind of not a, 
a conventional rock and roll place. I'm not sure where it is really, but it, it, maybe it's a place that's helped you find your, your own voice. Well, you know, I think uh, historically it's not a Belfast or a Dublin or a Galway or, you know, but certainly in the last five or six years it's become this hub of creativity. I think because of where we are geographically on the border, we're nobody's children, you know, I think the Northerners think we're Southerners and the Southerners think we're Northerners, so we're in this kind of no-man's land and I think that gives us a real sense of individuality and us against the world and, and, and you know, as well as that, me growing up, uh, you know, in the in the nineties and, and the early two thousands, there was still the the remnants of what had been uh, in the north, and you know, the element of suspicion, and, and uh, people were still afraid, man, to, to to go up north, and and obviously people then coming up, you know, fleeing that, coming to the south, coming to Dundalk, the first stop on the map in the south. So there was an element of suspicion for me. There was an element of. Uh, Repression growing up in Dundalk, and uh, I think that lent itself to that kind of spirit of wanting to find truth and honesty, and kind of call it bullshit. And you know, there's a great Dundalk artist called Jinx Lennon. I played King Tuts and I wore his T-shirt. Uh, he's he's an absolute genius, and I discovered him when I was 13. And he was talking about corruption in the hospital. He was talking about. Uh, you know, again, this stuff going on between the border, these kind of hard men who were, you know, claiming to do this for this reason or that reason, and uh, he was calling people out, and I, I discovered that at 13, and I think we're all disciples of Jinx, and, you know, at the minute, it's a very vibrant place. For me, when I was a teenager, I had to kind of get out, and I had to, I had to go, and I had to discover life because you know I just always kind of had this internal dialogue that was like you have to go and you have to fucking go on these, these adventures to become a great you know a decent songwriter and, and live life and not just stay in the one place and did you that I mean did you there's references more than once in your songs to sleeping rough references to Dublin did you did you truly is that was that was that you of course it was me it wasn't you like do you know what I mean <laughs> I mean but I mean, you put yourself through that a bit, sort of yeah, a, almost like a songwriter's version of method acting. Well, that's a good point because I think you know, exhibit A is the self, and you should be able to speak about yourself with the utmost honesty. Otherwise, you're just a character or a caricature, you know. And listen, that might work for some people, and it might act as a shield. And certainly you can kind of speak through other people's eyes, but, you know, like, I can just talk about my own experiences. So, you're right, I was kind of, I was doing undercover research, like, I felt that when I was a kid. I was on the dole, and I was fucking claustrophobic, and, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't get, a I didn't get an education as such. I got self. I got self-educated by myself. And why didn't you get an education? Because I know I had no aptitude for school. I just had no aptitude. I had no interest. I think that obviously you have to take the impetus yourself, but you have to have certain role models. And I mean, primary school was a kind of pleasant experience, but secondary school was was absolutely fucking dull and drab and. I was taught by a lot of teachers that were absolutely spent, you know what I mean? And that wasn't their fault, they were just spent by... They probably came into it as young and idealistic. They were just drained by little shits and 
drained by the same curriculum and the boredom and you know the drinking and you know and you pick up on all that so I had no interest and the uniform was grey so I mean the whole experience was grey you know, I, I went to the Christian Brothers you know what I mean so it was grey brick upon grey brick so it's only when I started really fucking getting into the beats and uh, getting into writers that were telling the truth that I saw that you know my neighbours were putting on a front and to a certain extent my parents were putting on a front and society in general was putting on a front music on the radio was putting on a front so I felt like I had kind of some covert information You know what, I think it's really interesting though because so many of the references in your lyrics are very literary and yet you say you didn't do well at school but you know I pick up up Samuel Beckett I pick up Siegfried Sassoon yeah, but that's again. That's me just in libraries, mm. you know, trying to. Again, you, you pick up these books that you just pick up, or they find you, and or you hear these faces, and you're kind of, oh, what, what, why is this guy so great? And then you read what they're doing, and it's like this new language, and it's like a portal into this different reality, and that's what literature and music gifted me, and still does. It's a way that you kind of people are are not filtered, whereas if the postman's calling to the door uh, or the bank, the guy in the bank is just pretending to be nice to you because he has to because he's, that's his job and if, but really inside he's probably going I fucking just want to tell you that you're a fucking prick but he feels like he can't because he has, he has to upkeep this image where you know and that's not, I'm not saying it's not about, it's all about aggression but I, I suppose what I'm trying to say is music and literature opened the door to honesty for me and then I could access it through my own individuality and I wasn't being told it in school. So once I kind of copped that, there was no looking back, really. You know? I mentioned a couple of those poets who you referenced yeah. in Beckett and Sassoon, but who were the musicians then who really turned you on? Um, Dylan turned me on mm. really early on because I just loved the fact, you know, that when I was like nine or ten years of age that was absolute shite like Westlife playing on the radio you know and auto-tune and this guy was just an absolute you know spewer he wasn't a singer he was a spewer and I loved Dylan's voice Dylan um, Leonard Cohn Nick Cave the first time I heard Mercy Seat by Nick Cave I, I, I kind of felt like I understood that a song didn't have to be uh, inverted commas a song it could be this you know radio play it could be this as you said method actor kind of just he's on death row and I believed every syllable um, I got into a band called The Lads from Liverpool that, yeah. that kind of informed in terms of melody um, but just characters like Roy Keane was a big hero of mine and Eric Cantona not because of the football just because of that they were mavericks you know Marilyn Brando and I saw Disco Pigs when I was very young and I saw Killian Murphy in that and I just thought this is just incredible you know, and art. Just, I, mean, I, I think mu- the term musician is kind of like, kind of, um, it's, it's, it, it shuts a lot of people out, you know, because you have to have a certain knowledge of how to play the guitar, to be a musician, inverted commas, or to play the piano, or a lot of kind of folky stuff is very kind of, you know, unless you have the chops, you can't get into the circle. And I don't really believe in that. I think that we're all anybody who wants to express himself as an artist, and I, I, that that allows me to not put limits on myself as just a player or a singer or 
because you know I can't really do both. Really, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert in both, nor do I want to be. So I think all those characters taught me a lot growing up. Clearly, you identify in your lyrics and with the artists that you've referenced with outsiders, people who are touched at some level by <laughs> madness. Well, what is, what is your definition of madness? I mean, madness is... Uh, what's, the, what's, what's the antithesis of madness? That's what you need to ask yourself, you know. Sterility, you know, normality, placidity, you know. I mean, madness is subjective. If you're mad into something, if you're mad into writing, if you're mad into caring for somebody, if you're mad into playing football, if you're mad into singing, is that not a passionate thing? Again, it's, it's, it's subjective. As I say, bless the mad ones. It's inked upon my chest, you know? And I mean that in terms of passion. Um, you know, I wrote Evidence of Living as a kind of me. I mean, again, this is in hindsight, but it was me kind of calling for like minded souls, you know. Because I felt like passivity. I felt myself becoming passive. And I was like, is there anybody feeling these same things? Is there anybody animated so much that they want to. I suppose it's the creative fire, you know? And you don't have to be a musician to have that. We all have that creative spirit fire, that's imagination, it's individuality and once you realise that it's a powerful powerful tool for yourself and those around you, you know, so Great to speak to you, great gig tonight David Thanks, Kenny, man. thank you. Thank you Cheers. for being here, thank you